0: everybody and welcome to another episode of the advantage and the fiddle picks youtube channel i am your host michael fiddle today is tuesday october 3rd and on today's show we are reviewing every gambling angle for every week five nfl game and doing a full slate breakdown for the upcoming week five nfl before we get started let me quickly remind you guys a few things please hit the like button, the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform or YouTube show you are watching. Drop a comment if you have any questions as we go through the live show. You can follow me on Substack, the fiddlepicks.substack.com, which is my free gambling newsletter. And of course, you can follow me at Fiddle's Picks on Twitter. So we are just going to jump right into this thing. I actually have no bets placed right now for week five, so I would imagine that changes as we start to go through this, but we are going to go through kind of how difficult the week five board looks, and then I also want to segue into checking on the NFL futures market, so as storylines start to develop, as stats start to come in, as these narratives start to form. And as we start to learn about teams and we can project forward instead of using last year's preseason priors, we're actually able to use a four-week, quarter-of-the-season sample size of data to help us project forward to the way things go. So now is a great time to re-enter the NFL futures market, and we will do all of that as we go through the show. This starts off, as always, with the Thursday night football game an absolute stinker. I hope no one leaves the show right now because I'm talking about the Chicago bears visiting the Washington commanders line opens for the new week. It was four and a half for the commanders on the look ahead. Commanders come out looking strong against the Eagles, dropping it late. Bears look strong against the Broncos drop it late. So I think this is, uh, another weekly battle of someone's got to win this game. And, uh, Commanders reopen at five and a half for the next week. So when this game ended and the line gets reposted because these lines lock during the week four games, when it gets reposted for week five, we have this being posted at a five and a half Commanders. We call this the Vegas zone. It's coined that by Bill Simmons. You have a between four and a half and five and a half point spread. This is known as the Vegas zone because we're so far from the relative key numbers in football of three and seven, where we see pretty much everything else priced at. It's kind of one of those moments where the, the house is saying, we don't really know how to price this game. We kind of like are sitting in no man's land and are going to let the early bets and the early money dictate how this line moves. So that's what we're seeing here. We have 53% of the bets on the commanders. So we have more money on that commanders minus five and a half side. And that's why we see it at commanders minus six right now. So even though we have line movement towards the commanders, it seems like it's coming from some public money. 74% of the bets are on that side, but only 53% of the money. Can you believe there's some sharps in the market betting big money? and backing this putrid-looking Chicago Bears? I can't believe it's true, but it seems to be from the splits. In the totals market, this line opens at 42.5. It was one of my week look-ahead spots to look for the over in this game, but I missed the boat, sadly. It's now at 44.5, and all the time on this show, and it should become innate as I redo this pod every Tuesday. And as we come in and look at, you know, what are the relative key numbers? As we reiterate a lot of this information, we got to remember that 44 is one of the most important numbers in an NFL total. The f- most important one is 41. 44 comes in as like the third most important number because it's simply one field goal more than that most common outcome of the 41 in football games. So we have 37% of bets towards the over 31%. Uh, 37% of the money, 31% of the bets in the look ahead number at 42 and a half. It's been bet all the way up with now 60% of the money on the over. It was previously 37 and sharp money. Now it's 60% and sharp and public money. And it's been bet all the way up to 44 and a half. So for me, when I look at this game, it seems like the commanders are the side that's getting the majority of the money, but also the majority of the bets. So I don't want to enter those waters. And it seems like the total, the over is the clear smart side, but it's moved through the key number. So I don't really want that either. So right now I have no bets place for Thursday. It kind of feels nice to sit out a commander's bears game. I mean, that's fucking gross. Uh, I don't think any of us want to watch it, but I will be coming back and doing a DFS show with my guy, Mike Femina, where we break down the Thursday DFS board from a showdown slate and we will go over some player props. So check out the content later in this week. If you want to get in on some DFS board or player props is another way to approach this game and uh, a sneaky angle, but I can't, I can't get myself to do it yet. It's just straight up bears money line because I don't know if, we should ever come into a place where the Commanders are a seven-point or six-point favorite. They were a seven-point favorite in week one home against the Arizona Cardinals. That's when we thought the Arizona Cardinals, and I've been calling them Chattanooga Community College on this pod for the past few weeks. Cardinals are actually shown to be a formidable team. So I think we've gotten to the point now where the Commanders Probably shouldn't be this big of a favorite against anyone. The public sentiment is so harsh against the Bears right now that I lean actually with the sharp money in backing the Bears. I would even get dangerous and throw it on a money line if I was feeling frisky. But right now I have no bets on that game. We got a few questions that came in. Adam said, tell me why I shouldn't bet $100 on the Commanders minus 6.5 against the woeful Bears. Adam, I got a really easy one for you there because it's six right now at Fan at DraftKings. So whether or not you're tracking line movement and seeing this go up to the seven now back down, or you're simply just considering that six point five, go line shop and get a better number. We know that six happens ten percent of the time in NFL games. It's one of the four most important numbers in NFL spreads. So the difference between that six and a half and that six is actually a major difference. So I don't hate the bet on the commander's side, but uh because I, I don't feel strongly about anyone in this game. So if that's where your your heart is, that's where you want to put your money. I'm okay with it, but definitely go get the better number. Um We also got Mike Cools chiming in. Did you shave your head to look like your buddy Sawhook? You definitely know that's what happened right now. I actually shaved my head because my brother's wedding is coming up in three weeks. I think he's actually, for the first time ever, in the live stream right now. What up, Evan? And um, I need to, like, I'm going to be up there on the on the stage with him. So, like, three weeks from now, this should be perfect. So, I did it myself. I did it in my bathroom right over there. I used my nice little Dyson vacuum to sweep up my hair. And now I'm looking like... Uh, I don't know who's a handsome man with a buzz cut. Whoever that is, you name it, that's who I look like. Let's go over to the Sunday board. The Jacksonville Jaguars visit the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills now look great. Tough week one. Rodgers gets hurt. They. Uh, Josh Allen throws four interceptions. And we come into the following few weeks wondering, are the Bills overrated? Is they, Has they finally stalled out? Well, now we get to week five. We've gotten to the quarter point of the season. Everyone's not freaking out over a one-week sample size. And we're realizing that Josh Allen is back to being the lead favorite for the MVP. We have a plus 800 ticket on him already. It's at plus 350 now. That's beautiful. And Chicago- and the Buffalo Bills look fantastic. The Jacksonville Jaguars on the other side, one of these teams that we all expected to take the next step and it just really hasn't happened like that. So we, I, I know Eric is also on this Josh Allen plus 800 with me. So there you go. That looks beautiful right now. We'll check in with the futures market at the end of the show and see, should we add some Jalen Hurts? Is it time to add some Patrick Mahomes plus 500? We will get into that in a little bit. But for now, 88% of the bets, 89% of the money on the Buffalo Bills minus 5.5. I do think this is going to climb to six, six and a half. Uh, I don't know if I want it with such serious handle being on that side. I don't know if it's just public money coming in and pushing the line. I do think if it gets up to like six and a half, I know it wouldn't fit Wong teaser criteria, but it would be bills at home. Looking so dangerous against a team that's kind of reeling, I wouldn't be totally opposed to breaking some teaser rules and teasing the Bills if they got up to 6.5, down to a uh, 0.5. But for now, I have no bets and don't really want to touch it. Total sits at 48.5, completely even splits on the board. Nothing too indicative in wanting to jump into this market yet. The New York football giants, are they actually the worst team in the NFL? Very possible. Uh they travel to Miami, taking on the vaulted Miami Dolphins. Oh, I want to quickly thank you, Hardell. Welcome back. You hit a big bet a few weeks ago. I was thinking about you when you hit the middle on the uh Chargers Vikings game. You had the under 54 and a half, the over 49 and a half, landed 52. I've been thinking about you. Welcome back to the show. I did want to get into this uh travel situation. And I stand corrected. This game is not in Buffalo. Thank you for the correction. This game is in London, and the Jacksonville Jaguars previously played their last game in London and are staying there for the week. So they certainly have a travel advantage because the Buffalo Bills are going to have to travel. So maybe that's why we're seeing such large splits on this Buffalo side, but yet to see any line movement. Maybe the book is like, just give us your your uh, Buffalo minus five and a half money. We don't want to put up Jaguars plus six because we know that's the the side that all the Sharps are going to want. So give us all your public money on Buffalo minus five and a half and we're just going to keep it there. So I really appreciate you pointing that out and uh, letting us know that the Jaguars and Bill's game is actually in London and the Jaguars is great reminder are staying there for the week. Okay, back to this Miami game. Giants now travel to Miami after looking horrid on Monday night football. They have a rest disadvantage while going to a tough place to play. Not only is Miami a good scene, we heard that we used to hear the Heat fans were pretty bad, the Dolphins fans show up for their team once a week. There's also... A lot of heat and humidity when you play in Florida. So some of these Florida teams are more poised and practiced in it. It's kind of like a Denver or Utah situation with the altitude. The heat in Miami can be a real thing. And that's why we see the Dolphins as 11-point favorites. That's fucking nuts. Now, I don't know if that speaks more to how bad the Giants are or how good the Dolphins are. I just think it's crazy. It sits in a zone where it's not teasable. I don't think it's playable. I don't think it's money don't I don't really think anything about this game besides potentially targets and DFS players. We're going to be looking like Waddle's direction in a DFS contest. If we don't want to pay up for Tyreek and we think to get Jalen Waddle more involved, look to get him his first deep touchdown. That's a sneaky prop and DFS angle I really like. I'll get into that later this week. The New Orleans Saints... Traveled to New England. If you've been coming back for the shows, and I see a few of you with the same name, I think you've been back here every week. I've been calling the New England Patriots the best-looking 0-2 or then 1-2, now 1-3 team. I need to scrap it. I need to scrap it. Mac Jones looks bad. Uh, He's throwing to ghosts like Darnold. Their defense is so brutally injured. They just lost... Uh, Their first pick, who was a great cornerback, and they just lost Judon. So two of their best players were lost in a game where they're already injury riddled. So I am terrified by the injuries the Patriots have. New Orleans opened as a plus three point underdog in a look ahead. They, They were the sharp side. I have it on my notes right here. Eyeing New Orleans Saints plus three. And then I waited for the lines to close and reopen because I was already on the Patriots for week four. So I wasn't going to go against the Patriots in week five before week four already happened. And my bet position in the, in the, that given week was that they were going to overperform and maybe I would have then gotten saints at a plus three and a half and getting that hook would have been so important that I didn't jump into this in a look ahead spot. I kind of wish I did because the Patriots are atrocious uh, looking like they just can't click. And even though they have a great coaching staff and some talent in uh, some skill positions, it's not happening for them. Like Ramondre's having one of the worst seasons. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, I actually think is a real player. Just can't seem to get the ball consistently. Again, Mac is just terrible at this point, seeing Ghost, So I would have loved that New Orleans Saints plus three. Now it's at one and a half, and it feels like I can't really touch it. The Saints haven't looked too good themselves either. We know Derek Carr dealing with injuries and playing through it. This is another game that I'd want to avoid. The sneaky place to play for this game might be the over. If we could find something sub 40, this is the place where I want to get in on the over because of how much the... um, injuries are going to be affecting some of these defenses. So I saw it at 39.5. We're actually seeing 40s all over the board right now and even some 40.5s. So let me think on that a bit. It might be first bet of the week becomes a Patriots Saints over 40. Knowing that we're only getting the 40 certainly presents less value than the 39.5 because 40 is the second most common outcome in NFL football games. 41 is first. We mentioned 44 being third. I forgot to mention number two. I've said it pretty much every show we've done every week. It is 40. So seeing that at that side, now obtaining that as a push number instead of a win number, certainly subtracts some of the inherent value but you do have to like this from a line movement perspective. Knowing only 30% of the money is on the over and the line still went up, that's like sneaky suggestive that we're on the right side for that one. I don't know how much further it's going to go, but um, yeah. And uh, Eric is pointing out that Caesars has the best line for that game because it's minus 110. I'm seeing DraftKings at minus 112. There's also Bet Rivers and Bet MGM and Winbet, who all have the 40 at minus 110. So Caesars, uh, Winbet, Bet MGM, and Bet Rivers all have that. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Um, going to the Ravens Steelers game, Ravens open as a four and a half point favorite, divisional game where the Steelers are home underdogs. You guys know from a betting trends perspective, we talk about rah, rah, Mike Tomlin. Anytime Coach T is a home underdog, dude has like a north of 80% uh, against the spread cover rate and a lot winning outright. And we just found out that it was Pickett might actually be playing. Friermuth is going to be out a few games. Deontay Johnson is out. The Steelers are going to add in more padded practices. That's been the reports out of uh, the beat writers early this week. Not sure how that's going to uh, factor into the very next game setting, but we're seeing 26% of the bets, 51% of the money, drastic splits difference on the Steelers plus four. And we're seeing that line move from four and a half to four in a divisional game where you could back a home dog. I'm talking myself into this. Let's go find where the best Steelers line is right now. Even three and a half at FanDuel and across the board. All right, let's jump on this plus four Steelers right now as the first bet of the week. It will be Steelers plus four available at Winbet minus 110. DraftKings minus 112. And those are the only places, so I'll be putting this in on Winbet for three quarters of a unit. We're not super, we're not gaining the advantage of crossing through the three. We're not gaining the advantage of crossing through the six or the seven. We are obtaining CLV. We are betting into smart splits, smart trends. But when I have a key number and I'm like, Ooh, I'm even have the opportunity to buy back the other side. That's when I'm going to go one and a half two units of exposure because I know I'm going to probably even reduce and buy back the other side before the game kicks off. In this case, where I'm probably just going to let that plus four rock at win bet, three quarters of a unit will be my exposure in that market. First bet of the week comes in on Ra Tomlin as a home underdog. I feel good about that. Let's go over to the Titans versus Colts. This one has been all over the board. Titans versus Colts was actually previously my first bet of the week, but I placed it on FanDuel where the line hadn't changed at all. And I simply cashed out of that ticket because I was seeing mixed signals on the market. Looking at the board now, I actually had it right because Titans are down to a plus one. The Titans are a ver- another example. Mike Tomlin and Mike Vrabel are the two strongest coaches as underdogs against the spread and outright. Then we add in the component of a divisional game against the Colts. And now we add in the additional component of a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach. Those are tough. You you like to lean on the experience of Tannehill and Vrabel. And you like the idea that the Colts' strength is their run game. And the uh, strength of the Titans is their run defense. So let's actually jump in, back in on the Titans, you can get that plus 1.5 at Bet Rivers now at minus 113. So I'm getting back on the same bet that I was. I was eyeing this spot. I said I was likely to re enter this market. I'm going to do it at full one unit because I do really like this spot. And I have the plus uh, 1.5 at minus 113 on Bet Rivers. You can also get the plus 1.5 for minus 120 on FanDuel. Or you could just go to Caesars and simply play the plus one or DraftKings for minus 108. We're even seeing this at points bet at plus 0.5. So I really like this. Titans plus 1.5 full unit. Let's take Vrabel as an underdog in a divisional game against a rookie head coach, against a rookie quarterback in a game that's trending towards the under. You always like to back the underdog. And let's sign me up for all of that. The strength of the Titans is the run defense. And if Anthony Richardson is forced to throw into zone coverage, he's been very good against man coverage. I think the Titans will force him to throw into zones and play stout defense up front. That is going to present a really tough challenge for the Indianapolis Colts. Grab that Titans plus 1.5. The difference between, uh, I will tweet it out after because I need to go check my notes. Or if you guys stay with me at the end of the show, I'll do it live with you guys. I want to check the difference because I don't know offhand what the value versus getting off the 1 to the 1.5 is. If it's worth it to just play the plus 1 at minus 108 or play the plus 1.5 at minus 120. Because I understand most people don't have DraftKings, points bet, Caesars, FanDuel, WinBet, BetMGM, and BetRivers like myself. I'm a weirdo, but Caesars and FanDuel and DraftKings are probably the three most common ones. So Eric's throwing this out right now. Eric, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Do I like plus one at minus 108 or plus 1.5 at minus 120? There is an answer. I, and it's not an opinion. It's not do I like, it's what does the math show? And at the end of this episode, remind me of this question and I'll get up and go grab my book and check it for you guys. Uh, Let's go over to the Carolina Panthers-Detroit Lions game. Line opens uh, 8.5 out to 9.5. Detroit Lions look good. Uh, Carolina Panthers, I still kind of sneaky believe in this team. Uh, they haven't looked good at all, but they have some veteran pieces. And I feel like they could keep games close, but not win them. It's like the opposite of the Kansas city chiefs that win every game, but never cover the spread. I feel like Carolina can cover some spreads, but not win outright. Uh, so taking Detroit minus nine and a half is super scary. I don't want to do it. Uh, definitely does not fall in the category of a possible teaser, because if you're moving this from nine and a half to three and a half, you're paying for the nine and the eight to get to the three. Like that is so stupid and dumb as fuck and not worth it. So don't do that. Do not tease this lines down, even though it might look attractive. A sneaky way to play this game is actually playing the over 44 and a half, because if you believe in this Lions, a lot of it is their offense and their offense is clicking. And a lot of these Panthers have actually been able to move the ball pretty well and set up into field goal range. So Maybe the Panthers can hold on, and this game shoots towards the over. Let me quickly check on the spreads real quick. I want to see where it opened, and I want to see, it. did it move through? So it opened at 43.5, and it has moved through that 44, which is a tough pill to swallow. It's at 45 at BetMGM, FanDuel, Caesars, Points Met already. I do sneakily like the over. So uh, over 44.5. Might be a little place where I throw a half unit on it, but uh right now I'm going to stay off that because it is a hard pill to swallow to take a bet when it's moved through the 44, but I do really like this Lions team, and we got Jamison Williams coming back. We got Montgomery chugging on the ground. We got Gibbs playing himself into shape. Bryce Young should be returning. I don't know if that's good or bad for a over bet in a total. Okay. Going to the Houston Texans at Atlanta Falcons. We are going to jump on the Falcons right now. Let's find the best number. I've been eyeing it. I wanted it at minus three. It moved to three and a half. Then the Texans came out and had a very strong week four. Uh, Atlanta had a very bad week four playing in London. Now they return home and play the Texans. As my guy Fish Fisher says, this is a classic Sell high and buy low. Uh, the only reason for me not to lay like two units of exposure into this line is because the uh, I have so much money on the Falcons in the futures market, and these games are starting to become very big considering the Saints and the Buccaneers are also with winning records in their division or at least 500, uh, two and two and three and ones. There is a minus 1.5 on bet MGM and win bet right now. For this Falcons, I am going to lay into that for a full unit. I'm sad I missed the one, but I'm not overly concerned. I saw this move from three to one. I thought it was a massive overreaction, and I was going to wait on the market. Fanduel being at two and a half. DraftKings, points PointsBet, Caesars all being at two. BetRivers at two. WinBet and BetMGM are both sitting at minus 1.5. So we will be adding. I dropped my pen. One we will be adding. A Atlanta Falcons minus 1.5. And that will be for three quarters of a unit simply because missing the one and the amount of exposure in my futures portfolio. If you are coming into this game with a clean slate, I'm okay with 1.5 uniting this, but I have over three units on the Falcons in a futures portfolio. So the way this game shakes out will have a drastic difference on the other side of that Uh, bin. Because if you're losing games where you're the favorite to win while you're backed in a futures portfolio, that becomes a big deal. Let's check the total in this game. It's at 41. Uh, I believe it stayed there the whole time. Yeah, it it reopened at 41 or 41 and a half, and it's been there the whole time. Pretty even splits on the board. Uh, Little bit more money in the handle towards the under, but nothing big enough that's going to make me think playing around a line at 41 has all the value. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Arizona Cardinals. Can we believe that this... Oh, Eric asked, go smaller if you could only get a uh, minus two. The difference between one and a half and two is pretty insignificant uh it becomes more significant when we're talking about eagles chargers chiefs rams these teams that go for two and go for it on fourth down more often then the number two becomes more relevant when we're talking about the houston texans atlanta falcons we haven't seen enough data from D'Amico ryans and i guess the falcons uh They go for it on fourth down a fair amount. I don't think they go for two-point conversions because they have a great kicker in Yungwe Koo. I I would still play the minus two at the same exposure at three-quarters of a unit, Eric. I I would then question yourself, are you also on the Falcons in a futures portfolio? And that would be how I'm still judging the exposure on this bet. Bengals minus three, Cardinals plus three. Could we imagine coming into this game, Bengals, Cardinals? That it would be a three point spread. Like, I thought Bengals would be what minus six and a half on the road. I thought I'd be playing them in my survivor pool. I thought I'd still be in my survivor pool. I'm not. I'm out. Uh Giants, was it? No, it was Cowboys. I had the Cowboys over the commanders and lost that one. Um the fact that this is at three and actually the sharp sign is the Cardinals. I, I like I can't even one of these days Joe Burrow is gonna write the ship and become good again. Like when is it? T. Higgins is is likely out. Jamar Chase is still there. Tyler Boyd is still there. Joe Mixon is still there. He's Burrow still very uses tight end frequently. I'm fine with all that stuff. Total at 44 and a half is another tricky place where this sits at three and forty-four and a half. It's sitting at two such important key numbers. And I don't think it's likely to move in either direction through them. So playing them has to be played for a football angle, or maybe you have a model and you're spitting out a different projection for this game. That's wildly different. So unless you have a strong football belief on one of these numbers, that would be the only way to play it from a line movement capper like myself, who's trying to obtain CLV and juice my exposure relative to the key numbers because I don't see this moving around the three. There's no real reason for me to get in on it. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles are a minus four against the Rams. Rams are the sharp side here, but I find myself wanting the Eagles. If I can get them at a really good number, like if I could get them at at the three, then I'll take the Eagles. If I can get them at the three and a half, maybe I just money line it and scrap it being on the road in LA. Uh, The Rams do have a pretty strong home field advantage, even though the Chargers play in the same stadium and have no home field advantage. It's very similar and reminiscent to Lakers Clippers, where Lakers have a strong home field advantage and the Clippers is like an away game. Um, Rams have captured the heart and soul of that L.A. football fandom. They won their Super Bowl in the first year getting there, and they've been a formidable team and an exciting team. and They play fun football and they have McVay as a coach and Donald and superstars. They play well there and people show up for them, but this Eagles team is still so good and they haven't been playing great, but I expect them to start to right the ship and and get it sorted out. There was one moment on a pass to Dallas Goddard this past week where uh, Jalen Hurts just kind of like missed the, like the, the blocker missed the assignment and then he threw too early and got, and it just seemed like the Eagles are playing with some sort of level of confusion that I expect the dust to settle and them to start really to get rolling. A sneaky bet that I like if you like the Eagles in this game is the Eagles to remain the longest standing undefeated team because we're going to get to the 49ers Cowboys game. I think the Cowboys present a stronger threat to the 49ers undefeated record than the uh, Rams do to the Eagles undefeated record. And then we project out their future weeks and their future schedule. It, it, it very much looks like the Eagles are going to be the longest lasting undefeated team, I think, for the second year in a row. In the splits for that game, it looks like an overspot at 50 and a half. Uh, not sure where it opened, but we have 84% of the money on that side. I'll check where it opened real quick. Opened at 47 and a half. So if you're you're missing the 48, the 49, and the 50, that is a tough pill to swallow. I think that's kind of dead and gone and I wouldn't play it, but I'd be looking at Eagles minus four, especially minus three, even money line for less exposure if it gets to three and a half so that you're not worrying about the hook. And then you correlate the idea that we like favorites with overs. So if we are on the Eagles and this game is moving over, even if we don't have a play there, then we like to say, okay, we can feel more comfortable backing the Eagles because the over is what's being hit. Uh, Jets versus Broncos. Jets are a plus two. Oh, God. Can we just skip Jets versus Broncos? Does anyone here want to bet on Jets versus Broncos? It would be a really fun one to do a deep dive into if it was Hackett and Rodgers going against the Sean Payton, and they were all doing well. There, this has been such a train wreck for both teams, and we're talking about uh, them. Gra- like we're talking about the the the. Zach Wilson potentially having like a resurgence. Zach Wilson played really well because they were throwing the ball on first down, which is the easiest down to throw on. So that's actually been what's picked up by the Sharp community. And we've seen this start to go over. The reason why this has gone over from the opening line of 40.5 all the way up to 43 right now is because the Jets started throwing the ball on first down. What a fucking revelation, guys. What a fucking revelation. It's not that complicated. Uh, when you throw on first down, your success rate on your passes is higher. Zach Wilson looks better. They're going against more man defenses, and they were able to move the ball further because the other team was just expecting and sitting on the run. Does that happen again this week? Is following the steam from 40 and a half to 43, where you've moved through that 41, which we talk about is so important, and now you're at the 43, which becomes a push number. Like, I don't want anything to do with any of it, so we'll skip it. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs minus five against the Vikings. Some late money coming in on the Vikings. The Vikings suck and the Chiefs win, but they don't cover spreads. So this is sitting Vegas zone. Minus five becomes so hard to decipher. It should be at the three or the seven. Ugh, I don't want it. Please do not tease this in any direction. Please do not tease this to Chiefs plus one. That would be dumb as fuck. Okay. Uh, the Cowboys at 49ers. Cowboys plus 3.5. This line has sat there the whole time. And I'm trying to get some sort of indicator from the market about how the books are feeling for this game. And the line is just not moving. So what can I learn from a line not moving with 86% of the money on the 49ers? Two things. This is either going to four eventually. Or... They want your 49ers minus 3.5 money. So we will wait on that and we will see how it plays out. Let's quickly check if there are any fours on the board for that game. Yeah, okay. So there are starting to be fours. Caesars, points bet, but mainly still 3.5s. And even DraftKings is minus 105 to that uh, 49ers minus 3.5. So hard to know. Which which is the right side to be on for this game? Just stay out of it for now. It's early in the week. We still have five games, five days till this game tips off. Plenty of time to reevaluate and re-enter this market. And the last game to talk about on the Monday night football game is the Packers visiting the Raiders. Need to figure out who's going to be the starting quarterback. McDaniel said Jimmy G will return as the starter as soon as he's healthy. Aiden O'Connell looked like he just wasn't it. On the flip side, Jordan Love continues to look strong. So I actually like the idea of backing the Packers. They are dealing with some injuries. They've continued to deal with injuries. Aaron Jones played like five snaps or had five carries last game. That's not enough for their, one, their 1A their one running back. Luke, Luke Musgrave, their passing weapon, tight end, is going to be out for a few weeks. Christian Watson is still starting to ramp up. Romeo Dobbs, Jalen Reed have looked pretty good, but they're still young receivers. And even though this team looks good, this Packers team, they're road favorites going against proven winners in Devante, Jimmy G, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs. Like there's some really good pieces. Jacoby Myers on the Raiders side. I'm not yet ready to throw in the towel and just fade this Raiders team blindly. I do like backing the Packers. I'm on the Packers and they're divisional odds. So I'm going to be certainly rooting for them to win and the Vikings and maybe the Lions and other teams that I'm not on in that division to lose. But that actually is a perfect segue over to the futures market. Because one of the questions I've been asking myself is, do I now bet the Detroit Lions to win their division? So I am already on uh, Green Bay Packers at plus 350. The odds remain the exact same. However, they are the second leading candidate and the Minnesota Vikings have dropped to the third Chicago bears literally dead and gone. They're 65 to one to win their division. They are absolute train wreck, dead and gone. If you think this is a two team race between the Packers and the lions, and if we think the Vikings aren't going to come back and pick it back up, and if we're like, okay, the Vikings play the Chiefs this week. And even though they're home, they're go- they're home underdogs. Packers are road favorites. Lions, large home favorites. Lions have the strongest position heading into this week being large home favorites versus Packers in their division being road favorites at a small degree. And the Minnesota Vikings being home underdogs to those Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm definitely asking myself right now, do I play the Detroit Lions and try and arbitrage the situation where I'm winning money, regardless of if it's Packers or Lions who come out victorious from this division. I have to think do I wait one more week? Do I add a little bit of exposure now? Or do I just do it all right now? It's like kind of three ways. Do you just go in and do the hedge and the reposition and taking some Lions? Do you sprinkle some Lions and then think, okay, it might, we might even get a better number later this week where we could sprinkle more because the Packers are favorites in their game? Or do we just stay off of it right now and think, okay, Vikings are still a home team, dominant at home. Green Bay is still a favorite. So if these two teams are in pole positions where they could definitely win their game, they might even gain more steam on the Lions and you might have a minus 175 instead of a minus 195. So that is... Uh, A definite thing that I'm thinking about right now is a Detroit Lions divisional uh, race. Let's go over to the NFC South, where I have Falcons and Saints futures. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sit atop the division at 3-1 and with a very good defense. And Baker Mayfield playing really strong. So now, if I wanted to work off of this ticket, and if I wanted to reposition or kind of cover my bases a little bit, The one frisky way I think you can do it to get some exposure on the Buccaneers, because of course, if you took Buccaneers plus 185, you're not making up the ground to cover your Saints and Falcons exposure. You're just kind of saying, okay, I want to accept less loss no matter who it is. And that's not what I'm interested in doing. Definitely not. I still like my Falcons positions. I just bet bet them for week five. I still like the Saints position. I wanted to bet them for week five, but I missed the number. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on bye, so they're not going to have anything happen this week that drastically changes their record. It'll be a reflection of what happens to the Saints and Falcons. The sneaky way to take some Buccaneers exposure is Todd Bowles' coach of the year. It's 18 to 1 on DraftKings. And if he ends up winning his division, it might be that surprise candidate where Baker Mayfield's the quarterback they have a collection of veterans on defense they have a collection of skill players on offense between Godwin and Mike Evans and Rashad White and a few others there's not one person to bestow credit upon and if they really come out and win their division and their defense looks as great last week only giving up 3 points to the New Orleans Saints maybe it's Bulls defensive head coach coach of the year or maybe it's sprinkling Dan Campbell plus three fifty. Whoa! As I'm talking to myself, out. This is how he do it. You actually bet Dan Campbell on the plus three fifty instead of betting the Lions because if the if the Lions win their division, it could very well be Motor City Dan Campbell bringing home this award. And you also bet Todd Bowles eighteen to one. So you arbitrage those two bets. So whoever wins wins money. You don't go too deep into those awards exposures in week going into week five. But that's a sneaky angle. I do think Dan Campbell should obviously be the odds-on favorite. It seems like Arthur Smith has now taken a back seat. The pundits are not overly in love with Arthur Smith anymore. So I think the combo of Dan Campbell plus 350. I'm going to write this down. Coach of the year and Todd Bowles plus 1,800. Sneaky way to reposition some previous divisional odds bets that we have. I'm going to keep scrolling through. Nothing else that I really see there. Uh, In the awards races, this is another one. We have Josh Allen. We had him 8-1, to and now it's down to 350-1. to Now, the question I ask myself is, do I want to add Tua? No, I don't want to add Tua because I think the Bills are going to win this division. I just bet the Bills in week four against the Dolphins. I just bet the Bills to win their division against the Dolphins at plus 145. And if the Dolphins don't win this division, two is not winning the MVP over Josh Allen. That's just not happening. So I think a sneaky angle is adding Mahomes and Hertz. And currently at their numbers, I prefer Hertz because I was just talking about how I really think schedule looking forward and understanding that the Eagles are probably the odds on favorite to remain the longest undefeated team and could have another really dominant year. If Hertz doesn't get hurt and miss those like three games like he did last season, he's in strong pole position to take over the leaderboard because of the success of his team and how good he is too. So love Allen, and I'm going to add in some Jalen Hurts at plus 800. I will tweet out all my exposure on these updated awards, and I will do some write-ups on the Fiddle sub stack. I'm looking at Offensive Player of the Year And I'm sure all of us want to bet Christian McCaffrey because he seems like the obvious person for this award right now. Few thoughts. One, I don't really fucking know what this award is. What the hell is the AP NFL Offensive Player of the Year? And for everyone in the comments who's about to tell me it's the best offensive player that's not a quarterback, then tell me why the quarterback who's won MVP has also won this award like seven times in the last 15 to 20 years. There's random years where it's duplicate. There's random years where it's two different quarterbacks, and there's a random year where the quarterback is an MVP and a position player is the offensive player of the year. This makes no sense to me, and I would not recommend betting Christian McCaffrey, even though he seems like the obvious candidate. He seems like he should be in the MVP conversation. He's first place with Tyreek and Justin Jefferson behind him. You're put in a position with the plus 200 on McCaffrey. Where you could bet one of the other players and still profit regardless of who wins, or you give bet McCaffrey and then whatever the winnings on McCaffrey were, you could put that on Jefferson and Hill. If McCaffrey wins, you cover your your other two and you break even. If Jefferson or Hill end up winning those award, you profit money. So that's a nice way to build a portfolio here. And like then we look at Lamar Jackson, Stephon Diggs, Cd Lamb, rounding that out. Like why isn't Josh Allen on that? Why is Jalen Hurts? have a better odds on, it makes no sense to me. So I can't bet an award that it makes no sense. We have Eric chiming in that New York doesn't even allow awards bets. I know it's atrocious. They don't allow awards betting. They don't allow betting on any New York colleges. They don't allow betting, I think, props on any New York college or college game players. And they also just instituted a policy where they're no longer going to allow over unders for fantasy formats. So like, uh, what is it like? I think it's prize picks is to- totally done in New York. Uh, very interesting. I'm in California and I'm waiting them for them to pass like prop 49 or whatever it is to become legal here. Uh, in the defensive player of the year, this is the last one I want to go over. I have Miles Garrett, and Micah Parsons is the other odds-on favorite. I'm going to wait right now because we have Parsons at plus 175, Miles Garrett at plus 250. I have a much better Miles Garrett number. I don't exactly know what it is. I think it's plus 600 or plus 650. Um, the Parsons being at plus 175 is definitely something I want to get in on eventually and portfolio it, but I'm not going to do it yet because, again, Cowboys are playing against the 49ers this week, where they're underdogs. We have a situation where the Browns with Miles Garrett are on bye. so nothing crazy is going to happen to Garrett this week. We could see Parsons dip. We also have the loss of Trayvon Diggs for the Cowboys is either going to do one of two things. It's either they're going to remain the same and Parsons gets all the credit and the love, or they're going to drop off, and inherently Parsons drops off with him. So I think Micah Parsons is probably the best player in the NFL bar none. Him and Patrick Mahomes are the one, two in the NFL. Micah Parsons is in his third year in the league and he has uh defensive rookie of the year and two times runner up for defensive player of the year. So the dude is an absolute freak. He's on like a Lawrence Taylor type of run for when it's all said and done. He might be the best defensive player ever to do it. Um, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. We got a nice comment in earlier that the Puka Nakua versus CJ Stroud is going to be a wild race. Mike, Puka Nakua isn't even the second in the odds. It's still Bijan. So if you think it's a race between Puka and CJ, now's your time to go bet Puka. There will come moments where CJ Stroud takes a little dip. He's a plus 175. He's a clear favorite right now. It will come a point where there's a small dip because inevitably there will be a bad game that he has on a week where like Anthony Richardson goes crazy or Puka Nakua goes crazy or or Bijan or does A-Chain keep this up or Zay Flowers or like does Bryce Young start to piece it together? Does Jordan Addison, is he still catching long balls every week? Is Laporta having the best rookie tight end season we've ever had? So, like, there are still options here that I wouldn't overly react to the quarterback at the top of the award. If you think Puka should be a second right now in the race, if you think Puka is going to keep up his production when Cooper Cup returns, then you want to grab Puka at plus 450 now. Uh, That would be a sneaky way to do it. And the last thing I wanted to point out was the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Now, I don't have any bets here. But I will say, I noticed Brian Branch and Jack Campbell, both very high in the odds. Those are the two rookies the Detroit Lions drafted. It is impressive that the Detroit Lions are developing this talent and are such an exciting football team. That only makes me feel more confident that their rookies are doing so well to back their coach in a coach of the year setting. Why do players develop well? Good fucking coaching, good systems, putting them in positions to win, having the opportunity given to them and showing that they prove their worth. So the fact that uh, Laporta is doing well, Gibbs is Gibbs is doing fine. It's just Montgomery's doing great. Uh, Jack Campbell and Brian Branch all look fantastic. Credit the Detroit Lions coaching staff and go grab some Motor City Dan Campbell plus 350 for coach of the year and also sprinkle some Todd Bowles at 18-1. to You could find those both on DraftKings right now. Okay, I am going to hang out for another five minutes. That wraps up our discussion of going through every single uh, NFL game for Week 5 and through a little bit through the Futures Board. If you have any questions, drop them through now. I will go through the comments that have already come in. And, of course, if you're listening to this as the podcast version, then come join us every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. We run for like an hour, and we get to answer, and you could have all these questions asked. Dill asks, I grabbed the Cardinals plus seven. Should I also grab the Bengals minus three for half a unit? Yes. Another gorgeous middle cap, my man. Unbelievable. If you grab that Cardinals plus seven, you did that in a, in a great look-ahead line. You did that... I don't know how you did that. That's fucking fantastic. Uh, definitely grab the Bengals plus minus three. I, Burrow's going to play. T. Higgins might end up playing. This line is not going to two and a half. So I would just grab it at three and a half now. Similar to the other week when I told you to just grab that under 54 and a half now. I think it closed at 53 and a half. And it landed at 52. These things are beautiful. This is the process that we do. That is how you win money. Open up yourself a middle. Your choice on how you want to expose yourself here, I wouldn't necessarily do it for it 100% buyback. I would do it at 50% buyback because you have such dominant closing line value on your Cardinals plus seven that you don't want to negate all of that with the current line. You want to open up some additional value with the current line, with how relative these key numbers are, with the outcome probabilities of landing at that spot and knowing how sharp the NFL market is that you're playing into the idea that these odd makers know what the fuck they're doing and they're going to get it right. And if they get it right, you get double the money and win both bets. Look at this girl. She's just crying over there. What do you want, Bronny? She's like, that's where the book is where you need to check on if the plus 108 first plus 120 is worth it. Um, All right. I think that covers all the questions. Alex said we had Dolphins by a million because they're at 11 point favorites against the Giants. Stony King reminding us Bills are not home there in London. Thank you, guys. I do appreciate the fact that you caught that for me. OK, give me one second to go check the odds. I'll drop the knowledge and then we'll get out of here. There's a book that has it all. Question that should be in the comments. What book is it? Can you guys guess what book it is while I look it up? Okay. The value of the 1 to the 1.5 is worth 6 cents. So grabbing the plus 1 at -108 is more valuable than grabbing the plus 1.5 At minus 110. However. Grabbing the minus 113. That I did at Bet Rivers. For the 1.5. Is still one cent better. Than taking the plus one. At minus 108. Let me say that one more time. Because that makes this whole example. Fucking perfect. Buying the hook. To go between one. Getting a plus one. Versus a plus one and a half. Is worth six cents on the dollar. So if you were paying a minus 110 line, then if you were going to do it yourself, you would pay minus 116 to then acquire a plus 1.5 if you were be, like taking the actual value. Given the fact that DraftKings has this at 108, Bet Rivers has it at plus 1.5 for minus 113, and Fandle has it at plus 1.5 for minus 120. The order of the most valuable lines goes Bet Rivers plus 1.5 at minus 113, then DraftKings plus one at minus 108, and then FanDuel at plus 1.5 at minus 120. So we need to know because what you are paying in the odds is that term we call implied probability. Paying a minus 110 correlates with an implied probability of. 52.38 implied probability is the hit rate needed to break even. Uh, something I love to always do is grab the number closest to 100 to the plus minus 100 because your hit rate drops. And if you just get your read correct, you have a larger advantage. Shout out the advantage on your bet and more positive expected value. So in this case, Bet Rivers, DraftKings, Fandle would be the order. Um, few other questions came in. Revisiting the Saints total or holding off for now. I'm going to hold off for now and see the injury reports that start to come in. Because my lean towards the over for this game is very injury related. I think Judon and Gonzalez are both going to be pretty significant injuries. Let's wait to see how Derek Carr is uh doing. And let's wait to see kind of, you know, do the Saints have more running backs? who's playing for the Patriots on offense and defense. So I'm going to wait for the injury reports because it is an injury plagued situation on defense that makes you want to play the over. Um, we also have Hardell saying grab the Ravens minus two and Texans plus three. Uh, what is that Ravens line currently at? Oh, Ravens. So yeah, that that is very nice because we gave out Steelers plus four on this pod. We gave out Falcons minus 1.5 on the spot. Those are both beautiful spots where you now, the question that you're going to have to answer for yourself, Hardill, is how much do you want your percent buyback to be? Where do you want your exposure to be tilted? Because it seems like you're going to have positive closing line value on both ends of it. When I do that, I would keep it evenly exposed on both sides. So I have the same sort of profit win on both sides. Uh, Is that like an 100% buyback and you're just hoping for a middle? Those are the hard decisions you're going to have to figure out yourself. uh, But great bets and you find yourself in a strong position to be having what we call a good problem. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I will be back next week, of course. I will be back on Wednesday and Thursday on the podcast platform. And I've been uploading them as just standalone videos. I haven't been doing them as live shows, but I've been uploading to my YouTube as standalone videos, breaking down the DFS board. So we'll be doing a showdown DFS board for the Thursday Bears-Commanders game. We'll be going over props. I'll be welcoming Mike Lefemina for that. And then, of course, Alex Cohen will be joining me for the full breakdown of the DFS board. We've given out some more picks, more player props, uh, some GPP targets, some stack ratios, and all that good stuff. We end the quarter season mark only plus 2.21 units. I do think it could be better, but we have obtained closing line value and checked all the boxes of this beautiful process that we call handicapping sports games. And if we keep this up, we will ask ourselves not will we beat the books, but how much will we beat them by? All right, guys, thank you again for tuning in and peace out. (laughs) it's <laughs> am